0: Man, you guys didn't get the memo. Usually for every drop of rain, two people stay out of church. And look at you guys here today. It's pretty awesome to be here. If you have a Bible, take it and turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to continue in the Sermon on the Mount, what Ed started for us. Matthew chapter 6, if you don't have a Bible, copy God's Word on your phone or whatever. You can actually look in the screen here in a second. And here's what I want to do today. We are in this new series called Forward. And actually, it's not just a series, it's a campaign. And what we're doing is as a church... 2017, we thought we had a plan, and God had a different plan for us, and we hit some we hit some roadblocks, especially in, in regards to moving the church and moving the church physically to a different location, um, and some other things, and what it made us do and gave us pause to, because God works in everything, right? He works in our greatest successes and our greatest failures. God is sovereign. He is in control, and so in believing that, we've come to this place where we want to seek the Lord, and we want to prepare to move forward, both spiritually and financially in the coming days ahead, and so that's why we have this forward campaign last week kevin talked about our our story and how we are to run the race and we start a race in christ keeping our eyes on him so we are in this race and backward is not an option in a race you've been the olympics have been on the other night i watched downhill super g skiing those guys are going (laughs) amen out there that was awesome these guys these were men they were going 80 miles an hour down these slopes wearing spandex (laughs) okay i mean i wouldn't do that fully padded they are getting it And and as you think about that, and you think about them going, it would be ridiculous to see them skating backwards. First off, it's down a hill, okay? But that's just, when you're in a race, you go as fast as you can forward, and we are in a race to move forward. But here's what I want you to do. Part of that, part of moving forward for us is to behave like those who believe and trust and have been born again in Jesus Christ. And what that looks like, and Jesus lays this out on the Sermon on the Mount. He gives us what the kingdom of God, or those in the kingdom of God, who are the people of God, what that looks like in the Sermon on the Mount. It's called the Sermon on the Mount because he gave it close to a mountain. It's about seven, it's, it's, it's from chapter, Matthew chapter five to Matthew chapter seven. We're going to pick up in verse six. I want to show you something, and I want you to see this. Giving, praying, and fasting are part of, of the Christian life. That's what the Bible says. And so we're going to look at that. In fact, if you go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, it says this, Beware of practicing righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. This is a shot over the bow, and he says, hey, listen, be careful of just, just wanting people to think that you're a righteous person. And he had in mind the Pharisees. So there's a warning. This warning will go on and he will talk about different aspects of the life, in, the life of following God in which you need to be careful not to do this to be seen by men but to be seen by God. We're talking about not being a hypocrite. And we look in verse 2, it says this, Then when you give to the needy, notice then there's a when and not an if. Just notice that we're going to show this again. And when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So he talks about giving in verse five. He talks about prayer. And when you pray, remember, not if when and when you pray you must not be like the hypocrites now that word has appeared twice now let's think about this for a second this word hypocrite comes from the idea of the greeks when they would put on a play the greeks and the romans when they put on a play they would have people play multiple characters you know how they would do that not cgi it didn't exist then okay not not those cool special effects they went old school in the sense i guess it was new school to them because it was that that long ago but they would have a mask and on one side of the mask would be one face. And then you flip the mask over, and it would be a different face. And so that's what the word hypocrite means, two-faced. It means to be playing a role. The worst thing you could do, and I just want you to be really clear about this, the worst thing you could do is to fake it when it comes to to a relationship with Jesus. a lot of times when we fake it, What we're just trying to do is give ourselves some type of appeasement to think we're right with God. Faking it does not work. Faking it makes us farther from God. What he wants is for us to come to him wholeheartedly. Don't be a hypocrite. And so we see going on about prayer. He says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. So what is their purpose in praying? It's not to talk to God, to commune with God. Their purpose in praying is so that people will see, look, everybody come and see how spiritual I am. And so they would go and they would say, hey, I'm praying in these big, long prayers. And they would do that. In verse six, it says this, or verse five, it goes on, it says, truly I say to you, when they have received their reward, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And also, he says in verse seven, and when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words, but... Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And so don't pray like the hypocrites. Don't pray to be seen. They, you'll get your reward, and it will be people will see you and maybe even think your spirit be the case. And then he goes on and says, now, don't pray like the Gentiles, those who are pagans. Don't pray like people who just think that they can chant and make, say the same thing over and over again, and their God could hear them. He says, know this. Our God delights in hearing, our, hearing your prayers, and he knows what you need before you ask him. That is just good news, especially because especially most of the time, if we're honest, we don't really know what we need. We might think we do, but we really don't. And then he gives us, Jesus gives us a way to pray, and he gives us a, a outline for prayer, and we know it by the Lord's Prayer, and he says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, which is radical. This call God Father is an amazing statement. You may have heard it your whole life, but the fact that God would be our Father is 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 quite is quite amazing and intimate in heaven hallowed be your name. This is a better way of saying it. It'd be, let your name be praised at all times. And so our prayer should be, God, let people reverence and praise your name at all times. And verse 10 says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So here's the thing. Most of the time, when our prayers are out of whack, we're praying, God, give me my kingdom to come, my will to be done, my bank account to get fat, my problem to go away. And that is not what the Bible tells us to pray. He says, your will be done, your kingdom come. Going on in verse 11, he says, give us this day our daily bread. God, give us what we need. Provide for us. You know what we need before you ask. Verse 12, Jesus says, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Lord, forgive us our sins and as we forgive those who have sinned against us is basic idea. And it's amazing that the Son of God who never sinned is teaching people who have sinned how to pray. And going on. We see in verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, help us. Temptation is around every corner. Deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So we talked about giving. Remember, he says when you give, not if you give. And then he says praying when you pray, not if you pray. That's part of what it means to be a Christ follower, to be in the kingdom of God. And then verse 16. You still with me? Verse 16. And when you fast... Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites for they disfigure their faces when they're fasting so that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you they have received their reward. But when, not if, but when you fast, anoint your head and your, wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others but by your father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret will reward you. And so there's this idea. Part of what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God and to be a Christ follower, to be one of those who are blessed, that Ed read earlier on. What it means to be and what what the actions look like is giving, prayer, and fasting. Now, we don't like to think about that. We like fast food, not fasting. If you think about it, it's very, it's the, the thought of fasting, most of the time the only fasting we do is right before blood work, okay? A fast, just to define it just so we're on the same page, is a Christian's voluntary abstinence from food for spiritual purposes. Another way, if you want to define it more broadly, the Bible usually defines it as, hey, you're, you're not eating food for a certain period of time for spiritual purposes. But there's some another more broad definition that can be found in a book about the, called the celebrations of discipline by a man named Foster. The vol, it means this, the fasting means the voluntary denial of a normal function for the sake of intense spiritual activity. So it's not necessarily just food that you can participate in as a, in a fast, but it is usually that there are other things you can leave off for spiritual purposes. Now we've seen this. Jesus says, "If" or says, "When," not "If." When you give, when you pray, and when you fast. Why is it important that I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on when and if? If means it could happen, but most of the time our if doesn't, or it has the possibility, but not. If this happens, then this. If I win the lottery, then this. Okay, it's not likely. When indicates that it's something that is expected. It's like someone telling you, when you go get gas, not if you go get gas. It's something that is expected. So there is something that is expected for the people of God to do, and that is to give, pray, and fast. Jesus mentioned those in this section. Now, I want to just just take a little break here for a second, and I want to give you, in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus would have the same thing. And some people, these, these, some, of the, some of the hypocrites, the haters would talk to him, and this is in Matthew chapter 9, that one of the disciples of John came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And so it was actually common practice of the day, and, and it wasn't called for, it wasn't law, but many people of that time period, Jesus' day, were fasting twice a week, usually on a Tuesday and a Thursday. And so they would be fasting, and... John's disciple, John the Baptist, disciples come to Jesus and say, hey, why do, why do we fast and do all this stuff and your disciples don't? And Jesus says something in verse 15, and Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? First off, if you just look at how Jesus answers questions, if you just read the Bible a lot, it's so good because he never, like, people are always trying to ask him stuff to trip him up, and he was like, let me ask you a question. You know you hate that when people do that. And he says, can, he gives him an example, can the wedding guests mourn as, the bri- as long as the bridegroom is with them? No. When you're at a wedding, if you go to a wedding and there's a real somber tone, something's wrong, right? Like, if, every, like if, the, mother, if like the mother of the bride's dressed in black, you got a problem, Okay? All right, if everybody's like really, like the music comes on YMCA and everybody's sitting down at the reception, you got a problem. Why? Because what is a wedding supposed to be? A joyous occasion, something people, you know, raise the roof on, let the dogs out, whatever you want to do, okay? That, that, <laughs> it's trickled on that one. Um that is the type of situation. So Jesus says when the bridegroom, and he's referring to himself as the, as the bridegroom, as, when he's here on the earth, there's no need for fasting. This is a joyous occasion. But then he goes on and says, the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. What's he referring to? His, his ascension after his crucifixion and his resurrection. And he says, in those days, between Jesus' first coming and his second coming, there will be a time for his people to fast and pray and seek the Lord. And that is expected of us. That's, as I said, that's a hard thing for us to do. Many of us would say, I would rather pray or give than fast. You don't know how hangry I get, you know, hungry and angry at the same time. You don't get that. You don't get that I got to eat every 20 minutes, or every hour, or whatever. You don't get how much I need my snack, my frap. You don't get how much I need the scone. You don't get that. And it's a part of something that God is calling us to. And prayer and fasting are like, are like your, your, your first cousin you were really close to when you were little, maybe if you had that. Do you know what I mean by that? I had, we had cousins, and I know my, my son has cousins, and when you ever, if you're living around them, you and your cousin were there all the time together. That's what prayer and fasting is like. They're connected to one another. And so it's not an accident that Jesus would mention when you pray and when you fast together. So it's expected of us. And so what I like to do during this Ford campaign is to call our attention to Jesus' words and what he's called his people to do, and call us to an intensive time of prayer accompanied with fasting as we ask God to direct our church. Without prayer, without seeking the Lord, we are like people trying to go somewhere we've never been without a GPS or MapQuest or whatever. Lost, wondering. My wife, we used to live in Louisville, Kentucky, and she'd go pick people up at the airport. Indiana is north of Louisville, like you're touching it. South is the airport. Every time she'd go to the airport, I'd get a phone call. Hey, babe, I'm in Indiana. Why? Why are you in Indiana? I don't know. (laughs) I just go this way before I go to the airport. I mean, you're like you're like crazy out of the way to go that way. It's like going to Bowling Green before you go to Franklin. Okay, it just doesn't make any sense. Okay, and she would always like, "Can you help me?" And I was like, "Do you for the GPS? I thought I had it this time. The GPS led me wrong. Whatever. That is what we would be like. We'd be trying to throw things against the wall, and we really want to find God's heart and purpose for our church going forward. God has led us this far. It has been all by his grace and for his glory. If you've been here over the years, you know that to be the case. And we need a fresh, a fresh word from God and fresh direction. And so I'm calling us to this time. If Jesus said it's something that we should do when you do it, it's expected and I'm calling us to that, an intensive season of prayer and fasting. So that gives us a question. What does that look like? How should we fast? What does that look like? If you, We're, we're going to look in verse 16 through 18. And I want you to know this. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting might be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. So the first thing he gives us is how not to do something, which is really helpful. It's like when you get something it has the warning tag on it and it says, do not operate hair dryer in the shower, which <laughs> you kind of wish they left that off. We might thin out some people, okay? Um, I love you, okay? But if you're going to dry your hair while you're showering, you've got some real issues, okay? And... <laughs> The, you think about this, the, 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 the warning here is to not be like the hypocrites who stand out in front and they look, like, oh, I'm so hungry, look at how spiritual I am, I'm fasting, come and see how spiritual I am. And the Pharisees were known for this. In fact, fasting on Tuesdays and Thursdays was their way of doing things, and the reason they picked Tuesdays and Thursdays, that's when the markets were the fullest, And they would go and stand in the marketplaces for people to see them. And the Bible says they have their reward, and their reward is that people would think that they're spiritual. I would much rather God to understand that I was trying to relate to him spiritually than people seeing it. But we all put on masks at times. And the call of Jesus is to take the mask off, not to feel like we have to earn it, but to go for him. And here's what I want you to get to. just This is free. Fasting, prayer, and giving are not ways to make you acceptable before God. Just need to know that. Do you know how you're accepted before God? Jesus Christ died on the cross, is resurrected, he's ascended, and he is reigning. By faith in him, that's how you please God. You can't please God on your own. Your righteousness, everything good in you is from Jesus. And that's why, Clint, when we were talking about what what songs we're going to sing, he's like, I'm just going to raise up Jesus high. And I was like, That's right, son, because that is the whole of it all. It is Jesus raised on high. Fasting is a way that God has given us a tool, a means of grace, by which we can connect with him and intensify our prayers. And so we're not to be like the hypocrites, say, hey, come and see how spiritual I am. Verse 17 says, but when you fast, again, this is the second time when is used, it's expected, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. When you do this, you're not supposed to draw attention to it. You're not supposed to look all ratchet when, you, when you're walking out. Run a comb through your hair. Put your makeup on. Not in my case. Comb your beard. Whatever you got to do. I don't have any hair, okay? that." That's what you do. You you don't have your physical appearance lead or point people and lead them astray. You are doing this for the Lord, and so don't be like that. Verse eighteen: that your fasting may not be seen by others. That's not the point of a fast or prayer is to be seen or heard. There's so many people that get so go get so worked up about praying in front of people. And you know why? Because they've heard a lot of people pray a lot of pompous, airbag-filled things. Oh, most holy, benevolent Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name on high, King of kings, Lord of lords. Why do you have a British accent? You're from middle Tennessee. <laughs> thy name be, praise thee, be, ah, you ever talk like that? If you don't talk like that, don't talk to him like that, who you think you're trying to impress. Air. It's hot air. You get called on to pray. You're just talking to God. That's what's fasting. Don't put on the ritz, man. That your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. We are praying, seeking, and fasting for the Lord, not to twist His arm like we could. Or to think, I did this, therefore you give me that. That's a debtor's ethic. We live under a grace-filled ethic. Where God, is He knows what we need before we ask Him. And now we are using the, the means He's given us to approach Him, to seek Him, and to seek His face, and to seek answers to our prayers. And your Father, who sees it in secret, will reward you. There is a benefit that comes from this. So how should we we fast? First and foremost, we should fast not to be seen by men so that people would think that we're very spiritual. Man, that journey church, they're spiritual. They're seeking the Lord. That's not what our goal is. It's actually to truly be spiritual, to seek God the rewarder and his rewards are better than ours. We don't, we don't want to come with an agenda per se. We want to come with that will be done. Yes, I'm going to ask these things believing that you would give me those, but if my heart's wrong, Lord, you change me. Now, you're interesting. We just talked about you're not so you're supposed to do this in secret and you're calling us to do this publicly. Hey, what's your problem? Well, I want to notice this and so we have to when we when we read the Bible, we have to bounce it with the other passages that are in there. They are not contradictory but supplemental and help us understand something more fully. In a fact, if fasts are supposed to get kept private, what's the deal with you calling us to a public fast? Well, if you look in the Bible, in the book of Joel and in Acts and other places, fasts are called for on a public and a national level and a congregational level. So it's something to call to. But here's the point: don't get lost in, in the letter of the law and miss the spirit of the law. If someone finds out you're fasting, you're fat you don't have to quit, you're fast, okay? Like you probably, if you're gonna fast, you probably need to tell the wife, guys. Because she might cook you something. Or maybe you're the cook, okay? And you don't want to cook that day, and she's coming home, and you're going to, you know, you might want to tell her before like, dinner's on the table, okay? And you're acting really weird, okay? You go to your room, like, it's dinner time, you're like, I'll see you guys later. And go to your room, it's going to be weird, it's going to cause some family problems. That's not the thing. And if someone you found out I was fasting? It's, it's ruined. That's not what he's getting at. It's not this is not a CIA secret, okay? You don't have to burn documents. This is is the heart of it. If you're not doing it to be seen by men, you're doing it to be seen by God, it's okay. And there's something that we can do this together congregationally. There's a biblical example of that. So just note that this is not top secret, but this is something you know your heart. And so it's a religious action not to earn God's favor, not to be seen by man, but to seek God. So how should we do that? Not for men, but for God. How should we fast? The second thing is, why should we fast? And there's a book that I have right here that I, I'll encourage you to get and, and, and read. It's pretty good. It's called Spiritual Dis- Disciplines for the Christian Life. It's kind of a standard book about prayer, fasting, other disciplines you can participate in. If you're seeking to grow in Christ, this is a great book to read. Go through somebody, go read it with somebody and talk about. And in this, he talks about, Don Whitney talks about 10 ways that are 10 reasons why, biblical reasons why people fasted. I want to highlight two of them, because I think this is why we are doing this particular, and I'm calling our church to this particular fast. The first one is we are calling and we are fasting to strengthen prayer. If you look throughout the Bible, you see that. When Ezra had to lead the captives back, or lead the Israelites back to to rebuild Jerusalem, he prayed and fasted before he left because he needed protection. It's a long journey with nobody to protect you. We had Nehemiah praying and fasting, Daniel praying and fasting, the church at Antioch in Acts chapter 13. They prayed and they fasted before they appointed elders in that church, and so they they were asking God, God, help strengthen our prayers, hear our prayers. In fact, there was this great quote I wanted to read you. Fasting is calculated to bring a note of urgency in an opportunity into our praying, and to give force to our pleading in the court of heaven. The man who prays with fasting has given heaven notice that he is truly earnest. He's saying, God, I'm, re- I'm, I'm thinking about, I, I, want, I want to pray to you. I want to seek you. I, I, I'm, I'm so passionate about this issue, God. I'm bringing it to you, and I want to show you my urgency, and that I'm earnest. It reminds heaven of that. Not only so, but he is expressing his earnestness in a divinely appointed way. It's not like he's doing something else to gain, to gain this earnestness or to show this earnestness. This is something the Bible has prescribed. He is using a means that God has chosen to make his voice heard on high. God has given us this spiritual means so that God can hear us. And it strengthens our prayer. I got a picture for you. A little show-and-tell time. If any of you know, I went to Denver, Colorado uh, two weeks ago. Um, I think it's photo one up there. If you show that up there, I appreciate it. We are, this, we're at a church here. That's me and a bunch of the pastors that went out from Middle Tennessee in our association out there. The gentleman right here wearing the khaki pants, this guy right here, his name is Skyler. Um, I, Skyler Anderson, he's from Oklahoma, and he's planning a church right next to Denver University in Denver, Colorado. The name of the church is Cypress Community Church in Denver. And getting to meet him and pray with him and hear stories from what God is doing, it was the perfect time because I needed to hear these stories of prayer. See, they're in a place where in, in Tennessee, we have one church for every 2,000 people. In the front range, Denver, up to Boulder, Fort Collins, there's one church to every 40,000 people, one evangelical church for 40,000 people. It's largely unreached is largely secular. They don't have much of a heart for Jesus, especially around Denver University, which is known for being highly academic and highly skeptical towards the gospel. Schuyler and his team have been inviting prayer teams to come and fast and pray and walk around the area, uh, around their church building. They meet in an old Methodist church that's been converted to this, I, th- I believe it's called the the... Meeting House for Spiritual Wholeness and Wellness, whatever that means, and they rent some place in this place. Um, They, in doing this, they they had gotten their church off the ground, had launched it, and they weren't seeing a whole lot of influx from people in the community. They had been doing great things. They had been handing out, you know, They'd hand out ice cream to, to, to just people just to try to meet them, show Jesus' love in a tangible way. People would find out that they were a church, and they would hand it back to them. like, I don't want any part of that. So they had some teams come in and praying around the area. And just to give you kind of an idea of what was going on, they would have some middle school girls who were praying for houses and knocking on doors and leaving these little, knock, these little door knocker things that said, hey, I prayed for your house. Cypress Church is, you know, prayed for you, you know, just so you know that. A lady heard the knock, or at least heard the door knocker go on her door, she grabbed the door knocker and chased these middle school girls several blocks, yelling at them. Ah! Okay, and these, of course, I would be scared if a, if, if a middle-aged woman started chasing me down the road. Can you imagine if a middle school girl, the two middle school girls, so they're running. Finally, the lady caught up to them. So this lady must have had some moves, okay? And so she caught up to the middle school girls and said, I want you to give this back. You left this on my door. And they said, I said, we, we just, that's for you. We gave that to you because we wanted you to know that we're praying for you and that this, this church is down the street and we want you to, you know, think about coming. And she's like, oh, great. You pray for my house? I'm going to have to call a Satanist to come and, and undo what you did. And those girls were like, ah. First off, this lady had a Satanist on speed dial, which was, oh, okay, cool. All right, if that's in your phone, that's what you got to do. So this is just the spiritual nature of this area. They don't have a heart for the things of God. Many are opposed to the things of God. And they brought in this group of ladies. Older ladies. And there was this one lady in particular who would just walk around and she'd fast and praying. And she would go in front of the houses. She'd just say, Get him, Jesus. Get him, Jesus. I'm not lying. You can go ask these other guys. Which this would have been awesome. Get him, Jesus! Get him. The next week, this guy finds, his name's Brad, he's a veteran of Afghanistan, and he finds, he's about 40 years old, he finds underneath his windshield wiper, and they didn't put these things on windshield wipers, a door, because it's weird to put a door knocker on a windshield wiper. You got that right? It's for a door. It was underneath his windshield wiper, and he saw that somebody had prayed for him, and that it was from this church, and he said, you know, I've never read the Bible." I should go pick up a copy. So he goes, and he reads three, three probably the worst books to start off with reading the Bible. He reads Genesis, Job, and Revelation. And he shows up the next Sunday thoroughly confused. <laughs> He's, he comes up to Skylar, the pastor, and he says, Hey, man, my name's Brad. I found this door knocker on my windshield. And <laughs> He's thinking, How did you get that? And he said, I, I, I read the Bible, and I... I don't, I'm really confused, but I read the book of Revelation. If God is going to judge all those sins that he mentioned that he's going to judge in there, then I'm in trouble because I've committed those sins, and I want to know what I need to do. So he says, hey, let me take, walk you through the Bible. And he started attending the church there, and about six weeks later, Brad comes to him. Been, been attending. He shows up, and he says, Skylar, I need to talk to you. I'm really concerned about myself. <laughs> okay let's go I have come to believe that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead and if you'd have asked me six months ago if that was something I'd ever believe I would say I was crazy but I have come to believe that just a few weeks ago they baptized him on a street corner right in front of their church how does that happen That's God using prayer to change the soil. Sometimes it takes for us to go to a place where there's real spiritual warfare. There's some here, too. We're just not attuned to it. There's much here. It takes that going to this place to say, hey, how much do we need to lean in on prayer? God moves. God is the one who saves, not us. It's not our slick presentations or our communication skills. It is the Lord God Oh, to see an example of how our, our fasting strengthens our prayers, and it's a chosen way of God to show heaven that we are earnest when we pray and come to him. Secondly, why should we fast? Not just to strengthen our prayer, but to seek God's guidance. I have an example of this in Acts fourteen twenty three. because remember, we look in, in this passage, it says, And our Father who sees the secret will reward. And so we reward with and strength of, of prayer. And we also re- can be rewarded with God's guidance. In Acts 14, 23, we see this. And when it, it says, it, this verse says, And when they, Paul and Barnabas, had appointed elders for them in every church, leaders, pastors, and it says this, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. They had been praying and fasting in order to find leadership for the church and to appoint direction for the church. And so we see this, that Paul and, and, and Barnabas here are seeking God's direction. And part of one of the things that we fast about is to seek God's guidance. And it shows heaven that we are sincere about that. Now, I got another picture for you. This is from Colorado as well. And I'm just showing you these, not for show and tell, but to see, I got to experience what God is doing in these other places. And it's exciting to see this. And so this is us. We're in Boulder, Colorado now. So this is about an hour north of where we were a few uh, in the last picture. This is on, on a Thursday. And we had just gone and walked through the whole town, and we were in Rocky Mountain, State Rocky Mountain National State Park or something. There it is. That's a mountain. And on the back of it right there, uh, if you can kind of see the rocks protruding out, that's the Flatirons, and that's really well known in Boulder. We're standing out here. The gentleman, let's see. I had to move over. This gentleman right here, his name is Parker Manuel. He's one of the missionaries that we support, and hopefully in the near future, we're going to get to maybe even go out there as a church and help him in their endeavor to plant Pinewood Church in Boulder. If you thought Denver was a place that was unchurched. Boulder is 10 times. Boulder, that the median age is 28 years old, and the median income is $125,000. They're young and rich. They don't see their need for the Lord, and it's a town with all sorts of spirituality, but no Christ. There's a few evangelical churches, but for the most part, there is... There's five evangelical churches to about 150,000 people that live in that area. And if you count all of those people up out of the 150,000, there's about 3,000 in a church on any given Sunday who are worshiping Jesus. It's a small minority there. And it's very expensive to live there and to do church there. God called Parker and his wife Jess and their kids to go out there, and they're planting Pinewood Church. They're having problems finding a building and uh they're praying and fasting seeking the lord about hey god where can we meet and and this this problem is a big problem because they had found a theater in town they thought hey we could maybe rent this town rent this theater it was thousands of dollars an hour to rent that theater roadblock right <laughs> roadblock they had they were so discouraged And so him and his brother-in-law were riding bikes because everybody rides a bike in Boulder. Just everybody, there's bikes everywhere. And so they're riding bikes. And they said, hey, we're going to pray and fast. And Parker, let's just keep riding around and praying that the Lord will open someone. They see this sign. Get the next one. Oh, I didn't flip it. No! Go back to the other thing. That's okay. Anyway, that sign if it was right set up, here's what it would tell you, okay? That sign would tell you that this was a Jewish it, this was a Methodist church if you can tell that building. Do your head like that and you can see it, okay? That's a that's that's a Methodist church that has basically been abandoned and was sold to a Jewish congregation. This Jewish congregation was looking for somebody to, a Christian church to partner with because they have different holidays and different things. And so they said, we want you to take, we want somebody to rent our space on a Sunday. And so he had to go, he went to this this female rabbi and and said to her, hey, we, can we rent this place? What are you asking? She said, is $100 an hour too much? He said inwardly, he was like, he, inwardly, he was like, yeah! Outwardly, he was like, well... I guess we could pull that off. And God had this place. This this place is located near their house and near all three of the elementary schools in Boulder. Strategically located. How was it found? Prayer. Prayer and fasting, God opened the door to guidance. <laughs> they weren't smart enough <laughs> to figure it out by his own estimation this is just one of many things that we see. Oftentimes, we don't go to God and see God like we ought because we think we have it under control. The Bible talks about us seeking God, seeking His guidance, intensifying our seeking through prayer and fasting. So I think I've made the case for you today that it's a part, fasting is a part of, it should be accompanied with prayer, and it should be a part of the Christian life. I think I've also made the case this morning and shown you anecdotal evidence that God works through these means. We're not twisting his arm. Oh, we would never. We could never even touch the sovereign. We're not trying to earn his favor because all favor we have is from above. It's grace given through the, the finished work of Jesus we receive by faith. This is is a way for us to seek after God. Not to be rewarded by men, but to be rewarded by him. God, give us, strength in our prayer, and and lead us, God. So I've I've answered the how do we do it for God, not for men. Why do we do it? To strengthen prayer, to seek God's guidance. But what specifically are you asking us to do, Matt? What What are the elders asking us to do? Well, first off, I'm going to ask you to consider joining us in prayer and fasting on Tuesday and Thursday of this week. Now, I realize something. There may be a health condition or something that will keep you from fasting from food. If that's you, that's fine, but you can join us in other things. For example, as we read previously, it can be, fasting can also be defined as the voluntary denial of a normal function for the sake of intense spiritual activity. Do you have a cell phone? you have one? you ever do this all the time? Look at what it says. This person who's next to me has texted me. Okay? hang out with teenagers sometimes. They're like Snapchatting each other in the room like sitting next to each other like, hey, did you see my snap? Of course I did. You're right there. This just happens. So maybe it's social media. Maybe it's TV. Maybe it's any number of things that you could fast from. Maybe it's coffee. Maybe it's, oh, oh, oh. I think we found it. Spiritual strongholds coming down everywhere. Maybe it's those things that we can show God that we... I'm going to invite you to do that with us Tuesday and Thursday. Now, one of the ways that we're going to connect together and do this together is if you will follow us on our Facebook page on Tuesday and Thursday, unless you're giving up social media, in which case don't do this. (laughs) Or at least do it for this one hour or 30 minutes, whatever. At 11.30 on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'm going to go on Facebook Live, and I'm going to talk give some scripture, um, provide some prayer suggestions, and even pray, about 10-15 minutes. And you can go back, and if you, I know if some of you are working and you can't do that, you can, it'll stay up on our website, or stay up on Facebook, and you can do that that way. So that means we can join the prayer and and doing this together. You can view it at your leisure, and um, if you want to know what our Facebook page is, if you will search in your Facebook. In fact, this is the only time we'll tell you to get your phone out in church, okay, unless it's Bible stuff. If you want to go ahead and search TJC-Hartsville, you'll find our Facebook page. Like us, do that, and that's one of the things we'll do. Because we want to encourage us to do this together. So Tuesday and Thursday, I want you to consider joining us in this fast. Secondly... I, I want to ask you, there's a giving element to this, not just, not just an element that's focusing on, on prayer and fasting, but there's a giving element that comes up with our Forward Campaign. And I want to just make this real clear. If you're a guest with us, we don't want anything from you. you, you just, we're just thankful that you're here and glad that you be a part of us. But if you're a regular attender or oh, remember, member, we're going to ask you to really consider this Is there something that you can give up, an expenditure that you can give up over these days coming up to March 4th, which will be our Forward Sunday where we have a special offering going towards our building and moving forward fund? Is there something that you could give up with the intended purposes of giving that money towards this offering? We know money doesn't grow on trees. It's hard to find it. For example, maybe you and your family can decide we're not going to go out to eat this month or until March 4th. And we're going to take that money that we usually spend on that and give it towards this. Consider this. This is not a command by any means. This is something we have to give from our hearts for it to be an acceptable offering to the Lord. Each man should consider, as Paul would say, what he would give. And if you would, maybe maybe it is that cup of coffee out. Maybe it is the four bucks Starbucks, and you say, no, no four bucks Starbucks this time, okay? Or maybe you do the big, tall one, it's like the eight buck one, you know, like seven pumps of espresso and whatever. And maybe you just say, hey, not this, this time, so I can do that and put this aside. That's what we're asking. First and foremost, would you join us in prayer and fasting for the direction of our church on Tuesday and Thursday? And would you consider giving up something in expenditure? so that you might have something to give and contribute to us moving forward. Jesus said when we do these things, when we give, when we pray, when we fast, he expects it to be part of our life. It is a way that we can seek after him. And that's the goal, folks, is to seek the Lord. That's all we want. We want to seek him going forward as a church and individually as believers who make up that church. Would you consider joining us in that? I'm going to invite Clint to come up. And here's one of the, I know probably you, when you sit down, you're like, why do I have this loud colored card here? Have you ever, if you just get that in your hand, if you had one, it should be on your seat in front of you. If not, it may be underneath your seat, or if there's one next to you, grab it. If you just grab that card for a second, I don't even have one, so I'll just grab this thing to pretend, Okay. If we don't plan or commit to something, we will rarely do it. I I found that in my life. Maybe maybe you got it it going on better than I do. As we consider these things that we're asking for this forward campaign, I'd like you to take a few minutes of prayer. Clint's going to play. We're going to take a few minutes. And I'll close us in some prayer before we do our offering. I'd like you to consider and write down if, you, what, if, you, if you'll do the fast and what it'll be, the duration, and even if you want to, even write up the thing that you are thinking about giving up and talk with your family member spouse, if that's the case, and get the dialogue going. If that's you, would you just commit to that? Because if we don't commit to this, you know what's going to happen Tuesday? We're going to be like, well, I'm kind of hungry, <laughs> okay? I had any coffee. I'm kind of grouchy, and we won't do it. And so I just want you to consider, by no means is this an obligation for you. We want this to be of your own own will. And so if you would, just take these moments as Clint plays, bow your head, close your eyes. You don't have to close your eyes if you're working on the card because that would be hard to write. But if you would just take a few moments, a couple moments, as, the, as, as he plays guitar, just to think and consider what God would have you do. And put it, put it down. This is not, we're not going to take these up. This is for you. Would you do that for me? I appreciate that. Just take a moment and look into this. Would you pray with me? Father, the psalmist said this to you. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, God, seek my face. And my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek Hide not your face from me. Lord, we pray, and I ask that you would raise up our church, our members, regular attenders. Oh, you raise us up, and you would would give us a time of prayer and fasting, God, that that you would see our urgency, that you would open up our eyes and ears to see where you want to go. Our pursuit is you, your face, who you are. Your direction for us, God, we want to run and follow hard after you. So help us use these means that you've given us, prayer and fasting, to seek you, Lord. Help us to know the commitment that we need to make and to walk in it. Lord, we want to seek you. Help us do that as a church, God. We want to give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. This time we're going to ask our our offering team to come forward and pass around the offering. And as we do that, we have a few announcements for you as we con- conclude today. And um, i like to, uh, I like to mention this. We, we have this, if, if you've been coming for a while or you're brand new with us and you want to connect in a better way, here's what's going to happen. Once a month, we're going to have a connect night. Uh, What that looks like, it's from 5 to 7 on a Sunday night. February the 18th, which is next Sunday night, is going to be our first Connect night. And it's going to be a time where we're going to ask everybody to bring a finger food because... That's awesome. All right, and so we're going to get together, have some finger foods, and just hang out. So here's the thing. If you've been coming for a while, and you just haven't made some connections, this will be a great time. I know it's a little intimidating to show up, but here's the great news. We are going to have child care offered for free. So if you just need to just get away from the kiddos for a little bit, we got something for them downstairs, and it'll be a great time for you to connect with people here. We'll make everybody wear a name tag, not just you, okay? And so people, you'll get to know people's names. We'll have ways to connect. We'll spend some time in prayer to Together, but also just do some stuff just to hang out and to connect with one another you want to make sure you're going to go ahead and pencil that in on the calendar on your calendar that's next sunday night from five to seven our first connect night of of several coming out over the month and so that is going to be a big deal also want you to know tom if you would raise your hand or stand up this is tom DeCorn. corn If you have contributed to us um, and given money to to Journey Hartsville, um, we have some some giving statements for your taxes, for tax purposes. If you would come and see Tom, he would love to give you these things. Oh, look right there. (laughs) He would love to give you these things. But all he requires of you is to make sure your information is up to date, which is not too bad, okay? So that's pretty good. Let's stand, and we're going to be dismissed with these words that I just prayed. God, you have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Go seeking the Lord. You're dismissed.